Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The home of endurance racing. RadioLeMans.com. coverage of the roar for 2015 from daytona beach florida jim roller along with shay adam and what will be the first of at least a couple of shows there's so much happening down here this weekend i don't know if we can fit it all into just two shows shay uh we have got a full complement of entries we've got 16 prototypes there are two honda hpds from esm uh, Chip Ganassi's here with a couple of Ford Rileys. Action Express defending uh, Daytona 24-hour winners are here with two entries. Tracy Crone is back in prototypes with Leger. We'll be talking to him about that effort uh, coming up. And Starworks is here, of course, with two entries, one in prototype and one in PC. That's part of an eight-car PC field. GT fully represented. GTLM has 11 cars. Full factory efforts there from Corvette, BMW, Three Porsches, two from uh, Stuttgart, and of course the the Falcon entry. Aston Martin, uh, a couple of Vipers here, uh, Riley uh, and, and Scott cars, and 11 GTD cars. Three full days of testing, 12 hours of track time for these cars over the three days. That's an astonishing amount. Shay, wh- what do you think they will be trying to accomplish this weekend? Well, usually testing is just a place to gauge where your car is and how good it is. You don't necessarily lay down the track time for qualifying. But as we learned last year, the test is relevant. The fastest car over the three days last year was the 5, who won the race overall. Fastest GTLM car was the 911, who won the GTLM category. And in the other two classes in PC, our second fastest car was the race winner. And the sixth fastest car won the race, but the second fastest car during the race was the one who topped the charts here at the Roar, the 45 Flying Lizard, who's back this year again in GTD. Let's get things started with our defending series and 24-hour race winners, Action Express. Here's Shay. One of the drivers of the winning team last year is Sebastian Bourdais. And Sebastian, you come back to this race as a defending champion. How exciting is that for you? I don't know. I mean, it was pretty exciting to win it. Now, obviously, <laughs> the pressure is on trying to do it again, but... Uh, the odds are against us, I guess, because it's, it's pretty difficult to make a repeat in these things, uh, let alone to win one, you know. It's, it's definitely uh, hard to make it two, but uh, the team is, uh, is really well prepared. Obviously, Action Express is, uh, has been very successful in their, here in Daytona, and the car looks strong again. It's just a matter of getting all the pieces together and making no mistakes and being quick enough, so hopefully we can have all this again. How did the car feel today in comparison to how it was last year? It's, it's a little harder. Um, they, they definitely uh, slowed us down quite a bit throughout the season uh, with, the, with the BOP, really. And uh, it's uh, the car is a bit trickier to drive. It's got a bit less engine in it, and uh, and we got less downforce. So not as easy, but I mean we're still we're still quite capable of finding the balance. Um, so it's all about knowing where the others are going to be in terms of pure performance. It's one of these places where if you have the top speed, you know, you, you can make up a lot of 
little things, you know. It's it's uh, it's very important to be able to go through traffic quicker and faster than others, and and there's a lot of a lot of full throttle periods here around the around this track. So top speed is really important. If you can get the handling decent in the infield, then you got a really good shot at it. But uh, yeah, globally, I think we we got. A pretty satisfying balance, but obviously it's also very cold. So we'll have to see if, uh, if the temperature gets up. You know, we'll have to make sure that the handling doesn't go away because here it gets very, very slick when the track, you know, heats up. So hopefully we can uh, make a winning package out of it again. Well, last year you guys finished top of the charts in the roar. How important is it to you guys and the whole team as a whole to come out of the roar with a good time underneath your belt? Uh, we, we've never really been chasing lap times. Uh, we're really always preparing for the uh, for the race, so running fairly long stints, um, not trying to cheat ourselves into you know making us look better than than we really are. And uh, I think last year, obviously, you know, doing this and being on top of the charts was was a very good sign that we're going to be very strong. I think this year you can see that the Ganassi and the P2 cars are probably going to be. Um, you know, at least as good as we are, uh, if, if not better. So, you know, if we don't have the speed, ad- if we don't have the speed advantage, we'll have to be uh, we outsmart these guys. And it's never easy when you're trying to outsmart Ganassi. So uh, we'll see. You know, we'll just run our own race. Well, you did have a great year last year with three podiums in this series. You had the win in Toronto, and I have to say, your donuts were the most perfect circles I've ever seen. Unfortunately, the Toronto race clashes with the 24 Hours of Le Mans this year. When are we going to get to see you back over there? Uh, well, <laughs> unfortunately, it's <laughs> it's always very difficult to make uh, it coexist with IndyCar with the schedule we have in the uh, schedule we have in the summer. Um, this year, obviously, Toronto is uh, is back uh, right at the, the Le Mans date. And I, I really want to do Le Mans, but in the meantime, I also want to do Le Mans in winning conditions because that's really the one piece that's missing in the puzzle for me. And so. Hopefully, uh, hopefully one day I can get in a in a winning program again. Uh, I've been very fortunate to be part of the Peugeot program, but you know there's not so many uh, opportunities like that that uh, come your way. So I keep uh, keep knocking at the door and, and see if uh, if I can get myself back in the game one day. One of the highlights of the roar before the 24 so far has been the wonderfully turned out Crone Racing Green LMP2 car that has. Uh, grace the paddock here congratulations this is a great step up for you and your operation thanks yeah i mean you know the, our, our team manager gary holland and uh, uh his crew and, and our, our engineer uh, hayden burble have uh, have managed to uh, uh assemble uh you know a, a fantastic machine and also uh delivery turned out well i'll i'll, I'll uh, credit a lot of that to my uh, wife laurie uh, for for helping us work on the color scheme and everything else, and and uh, you know I, I figured my fashion sense would probably not be the appropriate one, um, uh, but but uh, yeah, it came out re- really good. We've got new suits, a lot more comfortable. Uh, it's kind of odd they don't have pockets, so I'm not. Uh, I was doing something a while ago. I took my ear earplugs out and I went to stuff in my pockets and threw them on the ground. So <laughs> it was a little bit different with that. But uh, yeah, I mean the the car turned out uh, to look really good. It looks really good in print. It looks good in video. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, on ergonomics before the car was built. 
so that, that I could get this uh, six foot two and something inches uh, uh, frame into it. So uh, we, we spent a lot of time working on that aspect of the car as well. What facilitated the decision to make the step up to the prototype category? You know, it, it was just time. We've, we've been racing GT cars for a number of years. We, we were racing a Daytona prototype before that as well. Um, but it's been several years since we've been in a prototype, and I, I just felt like this was the time. And I, I'm not getting any younger in, in that, uh, you know, if we were going to do this and, and, and uh, pursue a different business line, this would be a way to do it. And uh, we felt like you know, we needed to go out and, and improve a little something and, and, and get something started so that uh, the racing business itself would improve. And, and, and the first step you need to do for a racing business is win. Will this be a primarily a tutor program, or is it going to be a, a mix and match? How, what's your plan for 2015? Well, that's an interesting question. Right now we're, we're looking at uh, Daytona and Sebring, and uh, we're, we're, we, we are going to race the ELMS uh, schedule. Uh, but, you know, if we, we, we do pretty well at uh, Daytona and Sebring, then you know, things could, could change. We'll, we'll just kind of keep that in the back of our minds. And, but, uh, but for right now, we're, we're looking at a seven-race schedule, including Daytona and, and Sebring, five races in ELMS, and, and then uh, one more race for Le Mans, so eight races total. Yeah. You talked about the ergonomic challenges of a of a coupe prototype what are the other challenges uh that the team has had to face with a, with a brand new car and 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 stepping up in class well you know it, the, the team has done a great job of, of of uh getting the car put together uh we sent uh our mechanics and whatnot over to uh lamar to uh to Unroke's, uh facility at at lamar to to help assemble the car and then we uh as soon as we got it put together, we took it over to Portugal in Estoril, and we're testing there for about three days, of which two and a half were fully rained out. But uh, <laughs> but it was still good. The car was, the car was quite good in the rain as well. Uh, but and, and then we we took it to Austin, and then we took it to uh, Daytona once before this, and now we're we're, we're back at Daytona. So we, we've had some some test days in it, and we're learning more about the car. Uh, I think that. Uh, the, the, the bigger challenges ha- have been just handling issues and, and, and overall sense of, of what we need to do with the car in different uh, uh, weather conditions and temperatures and tires and, and, and that's so all the things that you do with development to try to set the car up. But, but, but I mean, this is a much higher downforce configuration than we've been racing with the GT cars, of course. Uh, so that's, that's been part of it, too, and uh, uh, we, we've, we've enjoyed the challenge so far. Are you comfortable, more comfortable with the higher downforce setting? I know that uh, uh, a lot of guys say sometimes that is a little bit easier to drive when you have the higher downforce. Well, you know, downforce is, is an act of faith. So downforce is really good, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's really good until it isn't, and then it's really not good. So, so you, you, you know, you, the faster you go, the faster you can go until you can't. Yeah. Why the uh, oak chassis? I think that, that as we looked at, at all the different choices, they were the furthest along in development, and, and we worked with them to, uh, to, to work on the ergonomics of the car so that, uh, so that I could get in and out uh, uh, relatively quickly and, and fit in the car comfortably. Uh, and we accomplished that goal with, with the initial development of, of the chassis. 
they were the furthest along. Uh, we we uh, we also I'll anticipate your next question on on the on the power package. So so we we we, we came to decision with, with Judd because uh, we felt like a naturally aspirated engine would be probably a, a better choice for us and that uh, they, they were motivated to, to get it done and, and we've been very pleased with what we've seen so far. What would be, what boxes do you need to tick to call 2015 successful? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, you know, whenever you come to a distance race, the first thing you want to do is finish. So the, the, the biggest check mark is finishing the race. Uh, so far, the cars performed very, very admirably. When we, when we took it to Estoril, the first test, there were no real mechanical issues with the car. Uh, handling issues, of course, but, but not any real mechanical issues with the car, and that's just getting the thing started and keeping it on track and everything else. That was, that was very encouraging to us. Uh, we've had a few little electrical gremlins and things that, that we were working on worked out, but, but I, I think that's the first thing is me- mechanical reliability the, and, and, and finishing the race is, is, is premier to that. So, you know, we, we've got enough experience at most of these tracks now that, that and, and races that, that we know what it takes to, to stay out of trouble. So that's, that's a real key thing for us. And, and having people that are knowledgeable with the car, you know, what, Nick's been with, us, with me for 10 years and, and, uh, and that's a stabilizing influence as well. And then, then we picked up the, uh, basically the test and development drivers for this chassis with, uh, with Onrok. Uh, so that makes it a lot easier as well. So I think we, we've gone about judiciously checking all those boxes to make sure that, that we, we at least give ourselves a chance. You know, there, there's so many variables in, in any race that, that even if you've got a really good crew and really good drivers and, and really good motors and, 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 and the car is really fast, it still doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you finish the race, you know. So, so those are the things that we're trying to mitigate uh, to make sure that we can get to the end. Best of luck this season. Thanks, man. I'm so looking forward, and, and I uh, hope uh, hope maybe after this race we'll, we'll be talking about even better things. Thanks, man. One of the guys who is very used to standing on the podium at the Daytona 24 Hours is Jordan Taylor. And, Jordan, you've been second. What is it going to take to get it up to first? Uh, I mean, we finished second two years in a row. It'll be – you just got to make it to the end of the race. And, you know, these days you need a fast car as well, not just a durable car. So – um, we've been working on a little bit of pace work this week in the at the Roar, and you know you can get to the last hour on the lead lap, but you still have to have a fast car to be able to race everyone. So the races are tough. There's we got over 50 cars again, so making it through traffic without any trouble is the name of the game. How important is the Roar? Because last year the car that top, finished atop the charts was the car that won the race ultimately. Does that make you guys push a little bit more during this test? Uh, I mean a little bit. Uh, the biggest thing for us is making a comfortable car that's also fast. It is 24 hours, and the big thing in the past two years is making a car comfortable, you know, offline and getting through traffic. So, you know, breaking offline, turning in from different points. So making a car that's comfortable to do different things, and, you know, you're not fighting it for all 24 hours. Um, so the drivers are a little fresher as well. So we come to the road to make a car as fast as possible, but also as comfort- comfortable as possible. Well, you did have the fastest car twice last year with two wins, including Petit Le Mans. What sort of momentum does that give you to carry over to the biggest race of your season? Yeah, I mean, it's big. Anytime you can win a big race like Petit or Sebring or Daytona, something of that magnitude, 
get, gets everyone hyped up, and it was a, a long off season for us because we didn't do any testing. So for the guys at the shop, it was nice for them to you know be settled in, you know, for two or three months, knowing that they that we got the last one of the year. And uh, we struggled the last few races of the last season until Petit. So it was good to get their their minds up um, and the momentum coming to Daytona. Uh, you know, like I said, if you win a race like Petit, an endurance race, um, it gives you a lot of confidence. Speaking of confidence, how confident are you with your Chevrolet and the balance of performance that you've been given? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Everyone plays games these days. It's all politics. So I think from what I see so far, it seems okay. Um, but it's just the roar. You never know what you have until you get to the race. Really, really only 12 hours into the race. I mean, qualifying practice of race week, you could be doing whatever. Um, so you could do race runs, qualifying runs. You don't know what everyone else is doing. So... We just gotta focus on our own program, and you know, all we can do is try beat the other Corvettes, no matter what. If we're ahead of all the Corvettes, we're happy. Will you go for pole? Uh, I mean, of course, we'd love to get the pole. Um, we always we don't set up a car for qualifying over one lap, um, so we set up a race car, and hopefully, when we take the fuel out of it and give it new tires, it'll be quick. Um, sometimes we'll we'll give it like 30 minutes of practice to try find a qualifying car, but um, if we're struggling over the weekend, we'll we'll just focus on race pace. And race pace is the most important part. Now, you're driving with your brother again this year. How similar of a setup do you guys like? Uh, I think we're quite quite similar, actually. Um, we're aggressive in different ways. He's aggressive in traffic. I'm aggressive in high-speed corners. He's aggressive in low-speed corners. So it's a funny compromise looking at data sometimes. But I think it's good to have a little bit of diversity in the team. Um, so when you do look at data, you can see what's possible. You know, if I'm faster here, he's faster there. Um, sometimes you look at sector times that, that IMSA provides, and you see that we're you know maybe good in the bus stop, slow in turn one, and one of us is better than the other in the other section. So we can kind of combine each other's driving styles to you know work for both of us. And there's no competition there because you both just want the same thing, which is a win at the 24 Hours of Daytona. RadioLamon.com. Welcome back to RadioLamon.com's coverage of the roar before the 24. Staying with the GT class category, we find another familiar face to this section of racing. Pat Long, you're with Falcon Motorsports this weekend. They finished the season very strong with the win at Petit. What sort of momentum does that help bring into 2015? I think it's a lot. I mean, to be twice defending Petit Le Mans champions, that, it backs up something that they did that was phenomenal in 2013. Uh, just like when they were so dominant at Baltimore on the streets, when these guys figure something out, it's tough to beat them. Um, and that made me hungry to see what was underneath this tent. Um, Derek Walker, Walker Racing, who's, of course, running the program uh, in conjunction with Falcon, is a big hero of mine. He's a guy that uh, I've known since I was a young kid, and uh, it's just great to finally drive for, for him and, and to meet what I think is one of the most progressive companies in sports car racing right now, Falcon. These guys are young and they're hungry. Um, but everything's very relaxed so far, which I really like because sometimes I'm a product of my environment and I can get spun up pretty easy. These guys keep things really mellow, and it's it's very light on the feet. Now, they didn't do the 24 last year. They came in at Sebring as their first race, but you did the 24, and you've done it many, many times before. What sort of experience can you bring, even though you've done this race on Michelins? Yeah, listen, I mean, there's guys in this team that have, have done, you know, more 24-hour races than I've seen in my life. But um, basically, my role is pretty cut and dry. I'm the third driver. Um, I know from being on the other side of the fence, when you have a long-distance driver, the last thing you want is a guy who comes in and you know tells everybody how the world works. So I'm in a supporting role. I do my job. Just try to be consistent. Uh, it's not about me, and 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 that's not a that's not a, a a spiel. It's really just the way you do 
uh, your, your role. So quick, consistent laps, uh, lots to learn about the tire development on this side. Uh, these guys have the ability to change their tire compounds and constructions very quickly because unlike some of the bigger manufacturers where they have to truck the stuff in months in advance, these guys are supplying one team and so it's much more a boutique atmosphere and that's really interesting to me a lot of times they're tuning with just the tire rather than turning knobs on the car and it's great to sit in and listen they've got a lot of support from japan and um i think wolf and brian have, have brought this whole program forward um and and to listen to how they work with the tire feedback guys i'm, I'm learning as much as i'm giving at this point and how does that help you as a driver the being able to see the immediate effects of changing a tire instead of having to wait an event or two yeah, the tire game um, is something that I think I, as a fan and an amateur driver, underestimated. Um, it's much more complex than just putting on a soft or a hard compound based on weather or track conditions. Um, you get into really finite items like the way that the carcass is constructed, the way that it meets the shoulder from the top to the side of the shoulder, um, the way the car reacts to the tire, how it heats up, how it takes curbs, how it comes off of a curb, not only how it takes the initial curb strike, but then how it lands on the... Um, rebound side so um, like a damper or a shock it's something that takes so much tuning and it really challenges the driver because the good part is is we we are still very useful to the team the day that a computer can tell a lot more about what the tire is doing than we can you know our job days are limited so um, it's great to be in that part of involvement and each tire manufacturer has a little different culture but the agenda is always the same so it's very much plug and play on that side of what you have to do as far as giving feedback now, this is not your main goal for the season. This is not where you will be. You will be in the WEC racing. First full season over there. What are your thoughts on that program? Yeah, you know, the WEC this year is a, a completely new program. Um, it's, it's in conjunction with Dempsey and Proton. Proton was the partner that ran us at Le Mans the last two years. And we think that they did a phenomenal job. And Porsche and Patrick came to me uh, sort of mid-season last year and said, look, we're ramping up to do something pretty big here, and we started putting all the pieces together very early. Um, I didn't assume there was going to be any clashes between WEC and Tudor, and so it left me with a, a kind of a tough crossroad, but I think we're going to blend a lot of fun with hopefully a really competitive result. Our third driver is signed. It's not announced yet, but he's going to be a big part of this uh, and hopefully at edge because in GTM, uh, it's really who your silver driver is. That's just the name of the game. I mean, it's something that people talk about on social media all day long, but when you read the rule book, you have to get everything out of the rule book. I mean, that's what Mark Donahue and Roger Penske did so well, and so um, we're really excited. Uh, new car, uh, going to have a new livery, a couple new partners, um, but we also going to have fun, and that's always what we said when we went to Le Mans in the past. I said to Patrick and Joe, I said, if we're not having fun, we're not going to perform. So it's going to be uh, somewhat of a relaxed year and uh, a different role for me. I'll wear a couple different hats, but the end goal is always the same, and that's to win. And so that means someone's got to throw down some lap times when it counts, but the rest of the time we'll just be trying to extract Patrick's best out of him. He's got the speed. I just have to do a better job of getting it. Oh, turnkey every weekend that he's in the car he needs to be able to switch it on and switch it off and some of that's going to be taking him a little bit away from the distractions of all the media requests and all the fanfare it's not that he doesn't want to be seen or or interact it's just i have to be the bad cop and realize that it's mental energy that is spent and although it's only five minutes with every single person by the time the race starts i've got to have him fresh so i'm bringing things like that in um you know, it's basically Patrick and I with Porsche's partnership and Proton. That's as far as we've got so far, but we're building the team up slowly, and it's uh, it's really a fresh, fresh, completely fresh environment. 
fresh environment doesn't get underway until April, so you've got some time to do some other things. We're going to see you at Sebring. I know you're coming back to Bathurst. Yeah, Bathurst, Sebring, Daytona, um, all different types of programs for me. It's uh, new teams this year other than the Bathurst program. Um, this Falcon opportunity is a big one for me because um, the, the way that you go at GTLM on the AM category is a little bit of a different strategy than how you go at it in the pro side. And so when I talked to my bosses at Porsche in Germany, I said, you know, this Falcon deal would be really cool for me to be involved with because I still need to keep my foot in the all pro GTLM battles, which again, you run the race a little bit differently. So yeah, it's a little twist of everything. And, uh, you know, 2016 is already the discussions have been, you know, starting. And I just said, I got to get through and, and figure my way through all this and understand what it's all like because I haven't had a different surrounding for quite a while and it's going to be interesting traveling. We'll see how we'll see how Patrick and I both get on with 10 hours uh, of airplane flights 10 times a year. Well, one of the guys you're sharing the car with this weekend is Brian Sellers and Jim has him. Thank you, Shay. Brian, uh, congratulations. A brand new papa as uh, you get ready for uh, Daytona. How has uh, having the little guy uh, changed your outlook on things? Well, it, it's been a culture shock, to say the least, in my house. Um, you know, my wife and I, we've been, been together for 10 years, and it's been a very selfish household, kind of be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And uh, he comes along, and you realize very quickly that you are not the boss, and she's not the boss that he is. Um, but it's 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 been such a cool experience, you know. I don't think you can really describe it until you're actually there, and everyone says that, but you don't understand until you have your first kid. And it's it's been cool for me to watch him. I mean, obviously, some of us are, most of us are all in an engineering state of mind, some way or another. And and for me, that's kind of been what's neat. Not to compare him to a race car, but you can see his evolution every single day you see his eyes stay open a little bit longer you see him start to notice uh, a mobile on a play set that he hadn't seen before and and that for me is pretty amazing as you as you see this little person um, slowly growing up in front of your eyes so I mean I think it just gives you it it just changes your perception of things a little bit I mean you you kind of realize that even more so than you already did that you're blessed to be at the racetrack but even more blessed to to have a healthy child in front of you well congratulations to you and jamie i'm sure from all of the radio lamar.com fans yeah thank you very much i appreciate it to the matter at hand the roar before the 24 testing uh this is a, a massive project that that falcon has you've been with it for uh, a long time since its inception in the uh, American Le Mans series. Is it where everyone wants it to be? Yes and no, I think is is the truthful and the correct answer to that. Uh, I don't think it's ever where we want it to be. Um, but I think when we stand back and look at it, we're actually pleased with where we are. I think, you know, not to sound too cliche, but if, if you kind of accept where you're at, then we won't continue to improve. So we, we do have bigger, better goals. But last year, the end of last year was really strong for us, really strong. We were able to find a tire that worked at most venues that was able to run fast and consistent, which, I mean, for those who have followed, we've usually had one or the other. And uh, we were able to have both. So we've never done that rolling into an off season before had something that we can build on moving forward so it was a big a big 
step in the program for us to have something where we felt like, okay, this tire can be our baseline tire. It can be our baseline everywhere we go, and we can improve on this moving forward. So I think the program is more stable from a development standpoint than it ever has been, um, which is which is obviously a positive thing. It gives us it gives us a little bit more freedom that we haven't had in the past. Generally, the the program has been you know predicated on just tire development. So when we would go to a race, you don't necessarily always have the time to tune the car. You have time to tune the tire. And so we would fix issues by going to different sets of tires, trying different sets of tires. And the last few races, um, we've had that ability but haven't needed to. So we've been able to fine-tune the car per track, per setup needs. And that's where a big gain has come for us in the last few, is to be able to do our damper adjustments, ride heights, bars, cambers, all the, all the sort of things that maybe, say, a Michelin-clad team was doing. And so we were able to get faster as the weekend progressed, where in the past, I think once we kind of rolled out, unless we found a different tire, we stayed at relatively the same speed. So that has been a huge gain, and Japan has has done a great job in in getting us to that point. Now, a lot of that development is done in the off-season in Japan, isn't it? It's not just test sessions like this here at Daytona. You spend a lot of time on the track overseas. Yeah, the, the thing that I think gets a little bit lost is that Falcon is a big company, and it's based off of Sumitomo Rubber in Japan. So they're constantly running not as a Falcon brand, as a Dunlop brand, but under the same housing um, in Super GT. They run their Nürburgring program. They run our program. Uh, and then not to mention all the stuff they do on their rigs, their testing facility um, in Nagoya. So... It's a constant, a constant evolution. And while I would say a lot of times the technology transfer doesn't always go from one program to the next program, um, I think what does is, is new technologies. And they're kind of constant evolution of compound formulas and uh, construction makeups. So those things... Once you find something new and different, generally it's good for the whole program. Um, and I think that that's where those others kind of come into play, all the other programs come into play. Kind of reading between the lines here a little bit, I get the sense that this team is going into 2015 with hopes higher than you've probably had ever in what is arguably the toughest class to run. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I, I you can't really kind of I could be political and say well we hope and we hope but the, the the truth of the matter is yeah we we do have high hopes and and there's no question that Michelin is going to come with something better than what they had last year and we need to do the same we need to make a step I don't think anybody here is under the illusion that that is not going to be the case but I feel like uh, at the moment Porsche is good BOP wise I feel like Um, they're maybe not the best, certainly not the worst. And that's kind of all you can ask for, I think, is that you have a car that you can race. And on any given weekend, if you get everything right, you have that ability to win. And and I certainly think that that's where they are. They've done a good job with with giving us a a raceable and and series-friendly car. And I think, like I said, Falcon has done a good job in the offseason and with their tire progression. So, the goal would certainly be to, to fight for championship this year. And who knows? I mean, 
you know, maybe you can. Maybe you find out that, that some other people have been very good in offseason testing and you can't. But I, we are certainly in a better position than we have been in the past. Specifically for the 24 hours, the third piece of the puzzle, Patrick Long joins the team. Ton of Porsche experience. New to the Falcon Tire situation, how's he blending in? Yeah, he blends in easily. I mean, you, you just... We, we've, we've had a lot of third drivers come through over the years, and I think the one thing you see with with all the guys that come through, most of the time they've been Porsche factory guys, is is that they just fit. They fit well, and we've everybody's known each other for such a long time. There's You don't have that awkward kind of get-to-know-you-shake-hands thing. Um, immediately he comes in and he's giving everyone shit, and we're giving him shit, and it, it works out okay. So... Um, but from a driving perspective, he brings a lot of experience. I mean, he, he really, Wolf and I have been so enthralled in this program for so many years, which is a great thing because you build continuity. Um, but I think sometimes it's easy to get kind of caught in your own program as well. And so it's always good to have a third guy, especially one that's, that's as talented and as knowledgeable as he is to come in and to be able to look from the outside. And, and I don't think, you know, his job isn't to come in and change things, but only try and enhance things that maybe, you know, we've looked over over the years or adapted to. So, uh, and I feel very confident that him being the competitive person he is, that, that he'll do everything possible to, to help improve um, the program. So, you know, we're, we're lucky. We're lucky to have him. Well, best of luck in the 24 and going forward in 2015. Thank you. Appreciate it. Brian Sellers and Patrick Long, part of the Falcon effort for the 24 hours of Daytona in 2015. We'll be back with more on RadioLamont.com from the roar. RadioLamont.com. RadioLamont.com coverage of the roar before the 24 continues. And checking in now with the PC category, we've got the defending race winner, defending series champion. In fact, the last man to win the PC class, the last team to win the PC class in the American Le Mans series, John Bennett and the Core Auto Sports Group. John, welcome back to Daytona 2015. What are your expectations? Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic to be back in Daytona. It's Fantastic to be back in the paddock uh, after Petit Le Mans last year and, and, you know, looking forward to a good year in 2015. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, looking back on 2014, such a spectacular season for, you know, our LMPC team as well as our, our new partnership with Porsche and GTLM side. So um, you can't really look too much at that. It was a great year. It's in the scrapbook. And then uh, we start from zero today. And, uh, yeah, we're all... We're doing very well and, and very optimistic about the season. Um, IMSA has given us some performance improvements uh, to the car over last year, so we're kind of coming to, coming to grips with uh, a little faster race car, which is always uh, lots of fun. So I would say we're in we're in pretty good shape uh, and looking forward to uh, to the season ahead. Adding the Porsche element to your operation last year, a lot of people wondered how that would affect the PC side of things. Didn't hurt it at all, did it? No, I mean, um, I mean, in, uh, ultimately we're we're one team, one group, but it's it's really two independent companies or two indi- ind- independent squads working out of the same building. Um, there's some synergy between the two teams, but they operate very very separately, both at home and at the track. But uh, 
we all go out to lunch together. We all have dinner together. But at the track, it's it runs separately. Um, and it's kind of natural. The cars are, are quite different. So there's really nothing. There's, there's very little to share between the two, the two operations. So, um, but uh, you know, we, have, we have a process that works for both sides of our, of our business. And, uh, yeah, it's been going great so far. How do you set goals for 2015 when you've had such a success in 2014? You know the goal part's not not very hard. It's it's always the same in racing. Um, uh, I, I think that the what you need to set is, you know, how could we do things a little bit better than we did last year, and find find those things and, and improve upon them. So that's that's really the the Easter egg hunt now is is trying to find you know what even though we had a great season, what could have been better and and working on that now and and the goals tend to take care of themselves. What are some of those things that you're going to try and work on to try and improve? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, um, you know, it's it's working out the gremlins that happen naturally during a weekend. So um, it's always a little different, but there's always a wild card in every event. It could be the weather, it could be a mechanical problem, and, and you know, how do we bounce back from that? And, and how do we develop, um, let's say, a new process or a new procedure to deal with an emergency situation so in the future what was an emergency situation becomes more of a part of our procedure so um, I think that's part of it Um, you know also you know with an eye towards you know what happens with our racing in 2017 potentially a new LMBC car uh, potentially LMP2 car um, who knows exactly but uh, you know the more we refine you know our process here the more I think that we're ready uh, maybe to move up to another level um, if that should present itself. What about your driver lineup for the 24 hours of Le Mans? Your crew is one of the few in the PC class that's been together for a while. Does that give you a little bit of an edge? I think it's, I think it's a big advantage. Um, the, the first fortunate part is that we, we all have good chemistry. We, we sort of know what each other's strengths and weaknesses and what our role is in terms of getting the car to uh, victory lane. We don't have to relearn those. Uh, again, it's it's really a matter of, of polishing and, and, and refining what we had last year. So to have Mark Wilkins back, to have James Gouet back uh, with Colin and I, it's it's uh, you know it's a bit of a reunion and it's great. We're we're all happy to be here. Um, we all have our 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 egos parked and, and uh, we have the same goal. So it's 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 really quite a, a fortunate situation. Well, thank you for your time and best of luck. Thank you very much. Well, we find ourselves back at the Daytona International Speedway with Tristan Nunez. Tristan, you are a champion of IMSA before. You won the Prototypes Light category. Was that back in 2012 already? Good yeah, Lord. Wow, it's time flies. Time, time really does fly. Now you're back with Mazda, second year with this program. What's your goal from this test? Well, just to learn as much as possible. Um, it's my first uh, full test with Jonathan Bomarito by my side in the same car. So, you know considering his past experience especially here i think i can learn a lot from him so i'm just gonna you know come away from this test uh learning as much as i can now jonathan almost won the gtlm championship last year so what sort of inspiration does that bring to you when you've had a year where let's face it there hasn't been a podium yeah i mean last year was a learning year to us and it was it was great i mean all of us were rooting for jonathan to to do well and um, it's great to have him back here so um you know with, with that aside um, I think he's he's come here to with a goal to to win and, and do well. Um, he knows the uh, the time it takes to, to get a, a development uh, program like this to, to 
on its feet. So he's um, he's patient, just like all of us. Um, but he comes with the goal to uh, to succeed. So uh, to have that extra boost of uh, of confidence from him is is great. Now the Mazda that came to Daytona was very different from the Mazda that even raced at Sebring, let alone the Mazda that made it to Petit. What advances have been made for this roar, even from the last time you drove it at Petit Le Mans? Well, we have some, uh, some engine upgrades. I mean, we, even first practice session, it, it's huge difference. I mean, the, it's night and day difference from the, the roar last year to, to the roar now. So it's, it's astonishing to see what, what the guys can actually make work. And the, the heating issue seems to have uh, has really died itself down. So that's really uh, comforting to see, and especially with the 24-hour race ahead of us. Um, and just as painfully close as we got last year, it's, it's looking really, really bright for us so far. So what are the expectations from the race this year? We don't have really anything um, anything too bold right now. Um, our main goal is just to finish the race. We want to we want to finish the 24. Um, if we can get a podium, if we get a top five, that's awesome. Um, but our main goal is just to make it through the night, make it to the to last bit of the race, and, and see where we stack up. That's pretty much what anybody can ask for out of uh, out of a 24-hour race. Now, what other plans do you have this year? Is Mazda your goal and focus? Yes, I'm. Uh, Fully committed to Mazda. Um, only gonna be. I'm just gonna be doing the, the Tudor Championship, and um, yeah, really just focusing all my effort on learning more about the engineering side of everything. Um, Jeff Braun, having him on the team as well, is is really been um, a great practice for me to to learn the engineering side. So, really just focusing my full effort on on the car, learning the car, and uh, being fully committed to the team. How has this experience changed the way you drive? Because as you said, you do have to learn more about the car in order to drive it. Well, I, as you, you said it perfectly, it's a completely different car. You know, you know having turbos—I've never driven a car with tur- uh, turbos to begin with—and it being a diesel, you can't really hear the motor, so you have to rely on the technology inside the car to tell you when to shift. So it's a completely different animal. Um, you know, it, it revs really low. Uh, we shift at about 4,500 RPM, which is almost nothing. Um, so that's just—you know—again, keep the, the motor cool, reliable, and uh, that's where it makes all its power. So it's really—it's been a challenge to. Really learn the new car. Um, you know the Lola chassis is amazing as far as the, the grip is concerned. So you know just you know stepping from a, as you said a prototype lights car to, to this is and the PC car of course. But I mean it's a completely different car. It's it's been a, a huge learning curve. And you've been doing it very well. And another thing you've been a part of outside of racing off the track at least is this don't text and drive organization. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's 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 my other baby. Um, besides being committed to the program, that's the, my, one of my main, main focuses. Um, you know, being a teenager, um, you know, seeing a lot of my peers die from this um, horrific cause. I mean, it's it's really just uh, humbled me down, and um, you know, I, I have to pay back my community somehow. I get to do what I I love every day, and I feel like this is just a, a good payback. What's the website where people can find out more? It's the uh, Don't Text and Drive Foundation uh, com. Perfect. Thank you, Tristan. Thank you. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. Another of the great teams that is prepping for the 24 hours here at the Roar is ESM with two brand new HPDs. Uh, looks like the one behind me is still getting built up. Uh, this coming together a little bit the last minute, isn't it? Well, actually, this car still still needs parts too. Yeah, we're we're behind the eight ball here, but um, we got a great team. They'll get the cars ready for the race. You're going to run the 24 hours, but your focus this year is on the WEC. How does this 
help hinder what's the what's the crossover problems well you know really we're going to look at the 24 hours that daytona is really shake down these two cars there'll be a test long 24-hour test session you know and if we're um, in the hunt the last few hours then we'll go try to get it but um you know these cars need a lot of love still and then uh, you know hopefully we'll be ready to really race it the 12 hours of sebring and then we'll get ready to go run some wc stuff so we're looking forward to it what is the plan of operation for these three days that we have here? Hopefully keep the car running. How's that? Yeah. It, we're, we're actually getting some parts uh, come in tonight, so the crew will put those on in the morning, and some of those parts we really need on this car. So uh, each day the car is going to get better. Hopefully by Sunday we'll be able to you know, have this one pretty much set, and we're hoping we can get this one on by Sunday, but I doubt that. So uh, Scott and I will go, go shake this one down at Sebring sometime next week. How much does your experience with HPD help in this process of changing over to the coupe and taking this next step to the WEC? Well, that's good because we know each other for a long time, and I think both of our patients' levels had to be really good <laughs> over the last month. And, uh, no, they've been great. You know, it's a, it's a brand-new car. You know, every part's brand-new. So, uh, you know, we kind of expected these growing pains with it a little bit. Good luck. All right, thank you very much. Thanks. RadioLamont.com. Checking in in GTLM now with uh, Lucas Lure and Lucas uh, spent some time with Porsche, then with the Four Rings, now uh, with BMW. What are the prognosis for uh, 2015 with BMW? Well, personally, I I look forward to it. I think uh, the GT racing, GTLM, especially here in the US, is one of the best if not the best racing in the world and uh, no I'm very happy to join BMW also the, the team RLL and uh, I think we'll have some fun this year how does the evolution of the GT class compare when you used to race in GT and then you spent most of the rest of your career in prototypes how how far have the GT cars come from when you started well it's it's so long time ago since I started racing GT. I don't even remember what it feels like. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I think the GT cars made a huge amount of progress uh, in terms of, you know, not so much the power, but in terms of uh, downforce. The car is a lot more agile than it used to be, a, a lot more direct. It's a little bit more towards prototypes, even so it's still a GT car, but... Uh, the the difference is is significant, and you can see, the, you know, even lap time wise, when first started in I think in 2000, and you see what the guys or what we are doing lap times wise now for argument in in Sebring or, or Petit, you see the evolution, and uh, for sure a lot of it is also down to the tires related to that, but the manufacturers uh, they didn't sleep as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And in GTLM, the manufacturer competition is as thick and as fierce as it is in the prototypes, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, everybody, that, that's the beauty of it. You know, basically, that's the, our Z4. That's, you know, it looks like a Z4. And the other cars look like the street cars. And that's why the, I think the people like the GTLM competition. Because you can really identify your brand with the race car. Which in prototypes is not always the case. <laughs> Sometimes you can identify it by the sticker, but nothing more. So, uh, 
No, that's for I think it's it's very important to the manufacturers that uh, you do good on the race car because I, I think you have a saying in the U.S. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Now the competition has been dominated, eh, mostly dominated by Porsche and Corvette the last few years. Does BMW have what it uh, takes to take it to them in 2015? Well, <laughs> for sure, there went a lot of effort in 2015 uh, from Munich and also from the team side. You know, from BMW Direct, BMW North America put effort into it. Everybody's focused and extremely willing to do well. But at the end of the day, it's racing. Uh, certain things you, you cannot control. Um, but we, we, we try our best to make their life uh, very tough this year. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thanks. Porsche's newest factory driver is a young man by the name of Earl Bamber. Earl, first off, congratulations not only for winning the Super Cup in your rookie year, but for being named a Porsche factory driver. What's that like? Yeah, I mean, uh, 2014 was a fantastic year, you know, uh, to take out the Super Cup title. It's uh, something we didn't expect. And, um, you know, from the junior program or the Porsche scholarship program, it's always a goal to try and move up. And, uh, yeah, it's a dream come true to be here with with the team. Got a small taste uh, in Petit Le Mans last year, and uh, we had good success being on the podium. So, um, you know, I can't wait to start the season. It hasn't been much of a break. I think it's only been like two weeks for us. So, um, you know, it's nice to start the season. Um, it's nice to be uh, back in the car because I love driving it and uh, love my time at Petit in the GTLM as well. So, um, yeah, like I said, very looking forward to it. Now, you said it's a dream come true to be a factory driver, but we're both the same age. We know that growing up, it was watching Pat Long and York Bergmeister racing Porsches. You're now sharing his seat with York Bergmeister. Was he one of your heroes? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when you look at, especially the Porsche factory drivers, they're, they're real legends. And I remember when I started to want to start to, race portions a long time ago you look up to those guys um you know because they are the real legends and now um it's pretty interesting to sit in the in the same seat as in the same seat as him and you know it's kind of ironic because we were driving to the track this morning and um or last night from home from dinner sorry and i said oh i'm gonna start my second ever 24-hour race uh, at the at daytona and york said really i can't even remember how many i've done Oh, so, you know, I think he's been doing this since like 02, 04, mm. oh, oh 02. So it's a long time and um, it's great because I can learn a lot from him too. Yeah, he's got a lot of experience. What insights has he been able to share with you? No, I mean, it's just um, helpful to have a, a knowledgeable guy on the car. He's been in the RSR for a few years now. Um, you know, I'm just stepping in, so I'm like sort of learning my way, um, learning the different things. So, yeah, like I said, he's, um, you know, quite a mentor there and um, yeah, very very good I'm, I'm glad I'm in the car with him because like I said I think uh, he's especially in the US he's raced a lot too so um, it's going to be tough learning some of the tracks well you're with Fred Makovecki as well who doesn't have much experience in the RSR he's got a year under his belt and a win or two but uh, how has Jurg been able to help both of you adapt to the car at least so far this weekend ah, to be honest we haven't done much this weekend <laughs> You know, maybe ask that uh, on on Sunday evening. But you know, um, we have just been driving around and around. Lucky I drove here uh, last year with the GTD car, but um, this car's much much quicker and um, you know keeps keeps your wits about you. But um, it's 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 difficult here at the moment because it's cold. Um, you know, so everyone's sliding about and and everything. So um, yeah, we're just uh, slowly getting the gro- into the groove. Now you're sliding in with the team that won this race last year. Is there any sort of pressure to repeat from your car, the sister car? Well, 
I don't know if there is. I, I mean, um, I, I don't really feel it, if, you, if you're asking that. I mean, it's like I said, it's a great bunch of guys. I was lucky to do Petit, so I, I fit into the team. It's not uh, not coming here, meeting a whole lot of new guys. Like, uh, everyone's familiar faces. The team's got a great environment, and they're very easy to gel into. And, um, yeah, I mean, for us, it's a matter of um, making sure we're all comfortable in the car, that we're all happy, we're all working together well, we can all drive the same balanced car, and then um, keeping the thing on the track for 22 hours and then going, uh, you know, hard racing right at the end. But um, what I learned in GTLM is uh, I got in my first ever stint, and I thought, okay, yeah, I'll just work my way in. But that's like cup racing, you know. Everyone's racing like a sprint race, and it's still 10 hours to go or something like that, you know. So, um Everyone says, yeah, we cruise around, but we can't, you know, it's, um, it's like flat out, um, you know, the whole time, and, um, and I like that style, it's good, and uh, another thing that's going to be interesting is doing, like, double stints, longer stints, um, something you've got to get used to, been training quite a bit more um, to, to get the fitness levels up, so um, yeah, looking forward to the challenges, and driving at night, something that I'm not quite used to either. Joining us now is Darren Turner from Aston Martin. Darren, uh, you and I uh, are here for testing at the Roar, not in, not in Dubai. I, I don't know if we got the, the short straw or not. I'd, I'd really like to be in Dubai right now, um, but you can't be in two places at once. But it's obviously a lot of preparation needed for the for the race at the end of the month. But I've also texted uh, Stefan. It sounds like they're doing very well. And, um, you know, him, Johnny and Paul are going very well in that car. So uh, fingers crossed that they can get it to the end of the race and uh, keep it in the... T- well, right now I think they're second. So if they can keep it in the, in the top three, that'd be great. And what we're talking about is because it's cold here. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit colder than I was expecting. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not too bad. And I'm sure it's uh, a warm-up by the time we come back in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but it's still a lot better than it is at home right now. So uh, I don't mind at all. Well, what we're going through the next three days is all about in a couple of weeks' time. What's the Aston Martin agenda for these three days? Uh, last year we run uh, like a, a higher downforce setup. With This year we've been allowed to run us or more of our Le Mans setup and uh, it's really helping us we were very slow on the straights last year and it made it difficult to overtake the GTDs um, and already we've seen that we've got a bit more of a competitive package and now for the next couple of days is just trying to make that work on the infield we've gained the time on the on the uh, banking but we need to find a bit more time on the infield so we'll go through that obviously there's a new signing with the team this weekend Matthias Lauda so he needs some time in the car um, and obviously me and Pedro do what we can to help him get up to speed how much coaching do you and Pedro are you able to do with a guy like Mateus? Um, well, I'd, I've never met him before this uh, before today, so um, we're just getting to know each other at the moment out of the car, and um, we'll see how he goes after a couple of runs. And then uh, he knows it's a very open book within our team, and he can ask for any information he wants. And obviously, me and Pedro will help him as much as we can. But to be fair, me and Pedro need help as well, so uh, he might come up with some great ideas that can give us a bit of time as well. You're in the most competitive class in the series. How hard is it to run these GTLM cars and get to the front? Oh, it's fantastic. I love this class. I mean, the, the racing between us and the other manufacturers, obviously when we're doing the World Endurance Championship, it's just us and Porsche and Ferrari. But here we've got the other manufacturers that are, are coming to play, and it, it just makes it much more exciting. And uh, you know, obviously looking up and down the pit lane, seeing some friends that we only get to race against uh, once or twice a year, and I really enjoy the fact that you know, start off the year with such a big race and um, with all the, the main competitors, and it's a bit of a warm-up for, for Le Mans in June. Well, you've got your winner voice, your winner beard, yeah. and uh, enjoy the rest of your winter testing. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Thanks. Radio Le Mans. Dot com.
That's going to wrap up our coverage of day one of the roar before the Rolex 24 at Daytona. A quick look at some of the practice times before we go today. Uh, in the prototype category, it was the Chip Ganassi Ford EcoBoost Rileys that dominated both sessions. In the first session, it was the 02 car that dominated. And in the second session, it was the 01 with Joey Hand setting the quick time of 1 minute 39.397 seconds. Following him was A.J. Allmendinger in the number 60 Liget JSP2 car in a 139.517. And rounding out the top three was the, believe it or not, folks, the Delta Wing at a 139.536. And in PC, it was the Vanderzanda in the number eight PC car. That's uh, the Orica. Uh, they turned a time of 142.360. Shay, uh, how are the times looking in GT? Well, in GTLM, it was Pedro Lamy who squeaked out the fastest time of the day. It was in the first session, though. In the second session, Nick Tandy did his best to stay atop the charts. He was up there for almost the entire session. But uh, it was Pedro who comes out of the day with the quickest lap. In GTD, we saw quite the show from the Vipers. It was the 33 of Mark Goosens who was fastest overall closely followed by the 93 of Cameron Lawrence, who's a newcomer to this car in the series, and uh, it was a good performance by him. Back in third, we saw Wright racing uh, with Dempsey, obviously. Uh, it was Philip Bang who put the quickest time. It was actually the quickest time of the first session was what Philip put in. He managed to back it up again in the third session, but uh, that's where the times stand as far as the GT cars are concerned, and I think we should see them fall even more tomorrow, Jim. Well, that's going to wrap up our day one coverage. Stay with RadioLamaud.com for day two coverage, including a little bit about night practice on Saturday. We'll have some more great interviews. We'll be talking to folks from Corvette. We'll be talking to a lot more of the prototype drivers tomorrow in our day two coverage from the Roar before the Rolex 24 for 2015. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.